3: Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground
2: at visitcalifornia.com.
3: Coming up on
1: Total Access: The Locker Room.
2: So we made a five thousand dollar bet for the best mullet by tax day, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, and then you know, anybody that grows their hair out, you need know, to get in those awkward stages. Yes. So I'll never forget. Like I got in that awkward stage, and yeah, it was like I was about. I had like my Britney moment. I was about to shave it all off. <laughs> like, you know, and.
1: I was like, all right, I got to go all in. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson, joined by former head coach Brian Billick. Coach, what a
3: week of football, man. Wow, a lot a of, lot, of, lot, to make up with some of the losses. Like, hard to explain, <laughs> but it's getting exciting. Yes, sir. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches
1: really talk about inside the locker room today. Jared Allen is back with us to talk about his interesting life off the football field. And coach, I did not know he was a curler. He was he's trying to go to the Olympics
3: on the curling team, what a dude, man. Yeah, yeah, you know it began with a bet and a couple beers. So, uh, And I loved hearing about his commitment to the military. He came from a military family. His uh, Allen Home, uh, Jared Allen Home Foundation for Wounded yep. Warriors. Great to hear about. Let's welcome back the man, the myth, the legend, one of my
1: favorite guys of all time, Sackmaster Jared Allen. Jared, welcome to the show, big dog. And, of course, we gotta start it off with another locker room story. I know you got plenty. Oh
2: yeah, goodness. Which one? To go, which one to go for? Um, you know, this one'll be, you know, not so not so aggressive. But I think what people probably didn't realize, you know, my wife used to always give us a hard time when I was in Minnesota. Could we come back and you know, everybody in the no Wednesdays and Thursdays suck, right? You're just like, oh, miserable days. She always, she always like, I don't know why you complain. I feel like all you do is go eat at the buffet. <laughs> and play play video games with friends <laughs> so in Minnesota during our glory days we used to have a vicious group of we tennis players and we used to get after it in the training room right it was really? the training room was kind of like our was like you know it's, it's like uh what's the word you know and, and uh with the, what do they use in the hut oh, when he gets, to the, <laughs> when he the gets to the when he gets to the uh, sanctuary right he gets Yeah. The to cathedral yell sanctuary the the, the training room was our sanctuary. Ago, we we had trash but we had trash ball basketball going or trash yes. basketball going on in there. Uh but we had a we had a group of wee tennis players and we always had a, a, an ongoing tournament and we probably got more of a workout to playing wee tennis than anything else in the locker room. And uh we got, oh it got bad you couldn't even rehab in there guys we have we pushed people rehabbing into the other section of the thing. Uh, the guy, what you know, and Greenway is probably the most intense human being on the face of the earth anyways. And his whole, he got voted doesn't play well with others and uh that <laughs> too i mean he would just be like selling <laughs> yes selling out diving but yeah so it was always our uh that was always our go-to stress reliever was uh wee
1: tennis.
3: We, no, we, we tennis we know we tennis who'd
1: have figured <laughs> we tennis coach man coach
3: would you have been in there playing some we tennis with the, with the fellows no, that's no that's why i stayed out of the locker room i did <laughs> you know i know that's you know, how you connect with the players though no that that is their sanctuary I didn't because it was yep. like they 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 get enough of me as it is. I can find them some other places. They got to know there's got to be some place they can go. No coaches, just just this is our space right here. And now I know why because I they'd have probably beat the hell out of me with <laughs> weekend. <new tennis. laughs> no,
2: well, it's well on the on the best teams I've ever been on is that, or with, played with the coaches that I've, I considered on the highest level. That's their motto. It's it really is a uh, an understanding of. Of that, of that boundary of locker room and, and coach, you know, we all have great relationships. We're always trying to work for the same time, but at some point the players have to have an area where it's, it's policed and ran by players and all the best coaches knew that. And all the best coaches kind of, you know, let let them ride in there, and then you know if you got a little out of control, we'd have to have some. Yeah, occasionally <laughs> got to interject. Yeah, <laughs> when when well, the crap when the crap games got so expensive, people's pay yes, were gone. We had to start what oh, <laughs> <go." laughs> Well,
1: well Jerry, you, you talk about the locker room, right, being our sanctuary and things like that. Talking about the players and. It's a totally different locker room than when I played in hell, when, when you were playing, right? you know, we played at the same time with social media, guys going live in social media, you know, live in locker rooms and things like that. You were one of these, you know, charismatic players. You got crazy hair. You was in a jackass movie, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? How would you how would your personality bold kind of in this in this setting with all the, I, I,
2: I'd probably be, I goodness, me, me back then, I'm glad thank God, 2.3 years. (laughs) Why do you say that, man? I mean, I would have, I would follow you and see what's going on. And coach knows this football was a, was a fraternity and a brotherhood back then. Right. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a work hard, play hard mentality. And it was, it was this, you know, I know that it was self-pleased. Like we knew, for example, like if anybody was caught out Tuesday night, like Wednesday, Thursday was was work days, you know, especially mm-hmm. with Coach Camillo, You're full patch. And it was just no. Anybody came in not not right, smelling right on uh, those two days. You, I mean, you had you there was a good good mm-hmm. chance there was going to be a fight in the locker room, right? Well, mm-hmm. you I mean you were getting you were getting talked to by the by the by the team leaders, and and now I you know and it started changing later in the year. You know, people we used to have this thing where you know and as you guys know i mean you earned your right to be on that field mm-hmm. rookies didn't talk you you played with your pads you earned the respect you waited for a vet tell to basically you know you know give you their you know it's pro or clearance approval yeah <laughs> and i'll never i'll never forgot it I, I i got it from sean barber and um and uh you know air kicks and uh bonnie holland I got it. uh sean barber came in one day he said hey just so you know i told coach you need to be on the field more and mm. this guy I've ever, so I started week six of my rookie year and I got a call from Vonnie holiday and he said, you know what, you're basically, you're, you're, playing better than me. You're getting the nod. Your snaps have been better than me. Don't ever give it back. I'm going to, I'm going to try to take it back wow. don't ever get it back. And basically you've earned your right to be on this field. You've earned your right to say something. Um, and so we, that was just kind of this pecking order. Now I think kids come in because they have a social media following. They think they're important. And I, and mm. I, think, I think that diminishes the the fraternity of, of, of how hard it is to get to the NFL. I mean, it's the 1% of 1%, right. Of, of, you know, I don't know what the statistics are how many college players or how many people play football in the United States, but you think about it, you take, you know, you, you get to become one of 53 guys on a team, you know, that's, 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 that's not a lot of, you know, that takes a lot of effort. And I think now when people come in and they, they, they feel like they have this right of, uh, I don't think they think they're privileged, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I actually look at these young kids and I think they're privileged. They're all over social media. They're this. They're that. Um, and I and I just kind of shake my head and I say like that wouldn't have been tolerated back then, not by the coaches. And it sure as heck wouldn't have been tolerated by the locker room because it was it was a pecking order and you had to earn the right to be in that locker. Room but Jared, Jer- but you but, but earn the right to, to even be to be voted You had to earn the right to say anything about anything.
1: But Jared, I mean, and coach, I, I'm going to ask you this one too. I mean, at, from a coaching standpoint, the. It's a new kid coming into the National Football League. It's not the same Jared Allen's. It's not the same Michael Robinsons who, yeah, we believed in hard work and you know what you did on the football field earned you know earned your right to be there. Nowadays, it is different. You do have to kind of give a little bit, or the players won't like you, coach, and they'll start revolting and not listening to you. And as you know, this is a player-driven league. Coaches go sometimes before players. How do you handle yeah, that
3: dynamic? But- but Jared, isn't it true? You 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 because you're going to measure your coaches by this the same way. You 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 got to remember that that it's just like raising your kids, right? At some point, there's got to be an adult in the room, and you've got to, the only way they're going to learn all the things you're talking about, Jared. It's what learn and be a pro. Yeah, just be a pro. And and if you don't, if you aren't made to understand that, yeah, it's maybe a little bit different now in the way you go about it. But if you if if you're not going to be helped to learn what it is a pro, you
2: never do learn it, and and you're never going to be as good as you need to be. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, that, and that's and I think you know you probably hit it right on the right on the head with uh, it's like kids, right? You got to adapt. <laughs> <You gotta laughs> really adapt. And, I bet, and I bet the old old timers, you know, back from when we played, oh, so it was different. It was different. Uh, I I feel like I still got a taste of it because Marty Ball was still very prevalent when I played.
0: Mm-hmm. They had
2: three hundred pound. You know, we had Jason Dunn. It was three hundred pounds at tight end. <laughs> that was fun. But yeah, I, I just, I look at it, you know, I think for me personally, I miss the, I, I miss watching a guy on either side of the ball be a, be a four down player, you know, be a three down player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you now, like I said, everybody's got a specialist. They got, yeah, heck, they got a kickoff guy and a, and a field goal guy. They got, you know, <laughs> it, it, it just, it, and, and I, it, I get it. The league, the league evolves, it adapts, and it changes and, and you have to change it. I actually said this the other day to somebody they asked, they were talking about the Vikings and Zam and all that stuff. And I said, I, I think what's happening in this league, and, and you see it uh, with some of the old older coaches, you know, you know, obviously Belichick has the Belichick way and that's going to be the Belichick way, and, but he's wins. But you take a guy, you know, who has success like Zam and, and all these guys that are, that are more hardcore, more old school and they're in their thought process. But like you said, now you got this new, young, new school mm-hmm. way of, of players coming in, they're coming out of the college ranks where, you know, the coaches have to entertain them to keep them because now they can yeah, transfer. Exactly. And now you see like a McVay, you see uh Kingsbury out in, 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 in uh, Arizona. And, and it's a, it's a more useful coach now that relates to those players. And it's, it's kind of becoming this college game. And I think old, old people like me fight against it, but <laughs> it's unfortunate. If you want to stay relevant, like coach said, you're going to have to adapt with it. So I, I guess there's just new rules of being a pro and someone's got Absolutely. to teach those rules at each phase and. Like I said, I wouldn't have learned it if I wouldn't have got my butt kicked a few times in the locker
3: room. So. <laughs> part, part of that being a pro is is obviously the things you do with this platform you have, and and I, I want to talk to you because I'm I grew up a military brat, and I know talk to a little about about you, you went on to U.S.O. tour in 2009, you came away and did that Alan's uh, uh, homes for Wounded Warriors. Talk about that program.
2: Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in a military family. My uh, my dad played football, that's why I played football. My grandfather was in the Marines for 23 years. Uh, my uncles were all in the Marines and one in the Air Force. My brothers were in the, in, in, you know, wow. they served. Uh, and so 2009, I went over and when I came home, I was just like, it was more like the simple sacrifices that our men and women made that really struck me. And And that being, I mean, just being away from your family for, you know, 16 months. Being able to talk on the phone, maybe once or twice, you know, every, or once every other couple of weeks. Right. So I I was just kind of like, wow, like I I need to do something to give back to my country. And you know, one thing I figured I can serve those who serve us. Right. And Mm -hmm. I had a buddy who was in the army and he he, uh, let me know about the gap in adaptive housing. And so when I came back in 2009, I was like, well, there it is. I mean, nobody deserves the American dream more than the men and women that protect it for us every day. And my American dream started with a functional home for me and my family you know, a place where I was telling you, it's a place where you can feel your most secure at your most vulnerable times.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so we started our foundation in 2009. We've given away our 20th home. I'm actually about to, uh, wow. I'm actually about to tell another person today that we're building a home for them. Congratulations, uh, man. And we will be giving another one away <laughs> first part of January. So we got like five projects going on currently. Um, and what we do is we build and remodel homes, make them handicap accessible for our wounded vets coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, we give it to them free and clear. Um, and, and like i said it's just it's been our way of, of saying thank you and um it, it's humbling man their, their stories are inspiring because some yeah. of these men and women coming home have to learn how to walk talk think uh you're taking alpha male i mean you know as as players in coaches, coach you're in a room full of alpha males so you imagine what military's like right mm-hmm. like you, you, we always talk about battles and wars but they we're always gonna go home to our families you know their their battles and wars are life or death so you take these alpha personalities And now you take their daily freedoms away. You take the ability to do things for themselves away. It can be a struggle. And uh, we've just, we've we've loved the ability and getting to know these people and the inspiration they give us and and being able to give them this gift and and thank them with a home.
1: Jared, that's super dope, man. I'm glad glad you're out here doing that, creating awareness for uh, the issue that's going on out there. But I got to ask you this before we let you go, man. Um, Curling, bro. (laughs) Curling, where the hell? Did that come from oh. uh, curling? I did
3: not see you as a curler. Okay. I'm, I'm betting. I'm betting there's a lot of beer drinking involved. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the things that drew you to this.
2: There's a little bit. Well, what happened was I, I made a bet. I made a bet with a buddy of mine that I could be a. I could make a PGA Tour event three years after I retired. Right. Okay. And uh, and so I was playing out in Tahoe. Played the Tahoe tournament, and you know I I didn't play very well. My buddy's like. Dude, you're, you're two years out of retirement and you have no chance. <laughs> so he was there we in Arizona. He was over at the house and we were having a couple of beers. And, uh, I was like, I just got done watching Eddie, the Eagle. And I'm like, yeah. dude, this is, this is genius. All I got to do is find a sport that we're not very good at. And bam, I'm in, right. You'll make so it, I talked, I talked him into parlaying in the bed. I said, listen, I bet, I bet you that I can make the Olympics, right? And he was like, yeah, done, whatever. Right? <laughs> so at first I started with badminton. I'm like, I am six, six, I'm just gonna smash at the net. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so I came up, we didn't move into Nashville my wife at first, I was going to do it solo. She's like, call buddy. Like at least do it with a friend. Right. I'm like, all right. So I called peanut and I uh, told him, I was like, Hey, you want to try yep. to make the Olympics, uh, as badminton. He was, you know, in the middle of becoming an FBI agent, I guess. He yes. forward, there's this. Uh, so I'm like, all right. So I get out to Nashville. I, I see, I end up being at the same golf course, Bulger. Um, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, do you want to try to make the Olympics in badminton? He was like, I'm in. So we're, I'm going to, like, I literally, I signed us up for like this open tournament. Are all right, you, kidding you kidding Sign me? up for USA badminton. You just give them your email address and your sign. That's it? You're, you're- yeah, <laughs> you're it. And, and, uh, and then. So I signed us up for a tournament at, at like St. Joseph's in Connecticut. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is like the dodgeball of badminton. I'm Like 50-year-old like dudes out there just having a good time and I'm coming in full. But so I, I get a video from him, and these and these guys are flying all over the court. He's like, do that. he goes, I don't think I can do this. We're not gonna do it. No, he's like, I'm gonna hurt myself. I'm like, well, the only op, the only other sport we don't have a gold medal in is, is you know, I was like, I got no chance to ping pong. I like, it's <laughs> curling. Like we're not. Right, so far we haven't been very good at curling. And we got four years to learn that. I'm like, oh yeah, we got this.
3: Oh, we could do that. We
2: could do this. And right on the thing, it's like on the on the website for curling. It's like most people start when they're 40 and the loser, the winners have to buy the losers' beer. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. This is perfect. So at the time we 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 were, you know, the Olympics haven't started yet. Uh we got the team together. Uh John Benton, who was a 2010 Olympian called and he was like, Hey, I'm going to retire. You want me to coach you guys up? I'm like, cause we had a mutual friend of Minnesota and I was like, yeah, this that's is good. now, now this is working. So, uh, we went and started, started a curling team and then, you know, Schuster and then make that terrific run. We went yeah. to go, I look like a jerk because I'm like, oh, I, I can do it better than the gold medalist. Um, <laughs> but I was already too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. You there. had to go, you yeah. had to go, go with it, to man. On a bat. So yeah, so that's what we did. We started our team. We got, we got thumped our first year made some tweaks we, we brought on a, a an olympian as a skip uh started winning some games you know i think we, we took second at one of our events um we didn't qualify for nationals but this was going to be our year and then COVID hit so right now everything's everything's uh you know on, on a holding pattern but yeah I'm, I'm all in i'm all in the curly world and it, and it is fun and then, of <laughs> course you know how it is you're a competitor now yeah. once i'm in it i want to be the best right uh, absolutely. So we practice like i was flying a sweeping coach in from canada uh, what here's here's a, here's a little nuance people do not know about me well it might be on my wikipedia page <laughs> i actually have a silver medal from nationals in curling so get the
1: hell out of here i don't believe go. that you got a silver medal really
2: so rich runen uh i guess uh schuster won it the last last year but runen's team was the defending champs a couple years back they invited me on their team to be the alternate and they were smashing people <laughs> so i got to play a ton right i played <laughs> you know i was i was basically the guy on the fourth i was, I was the fourth street you know fourth preseason guy game, game guy come <laughs> on in you know and uh but yeah i got a ton of, got a ton of playing time because they were just smashing everybody uh they ended up taking second and so i got my uh silver medal all just right one. i love just it rode those coattails <laughs> wow
1: oh my goodness man that, that that's a that, that's a story of how you got into curling i don't know if i would have got into it the same way i also hear
2: you grew up on a horse ranch, too? I did. My dad trained raining cutting horses for 35-plus years in Northern California. And uh, so, yeah, that's where calf roping, the whole thing came in. And I know people always hear, like, yeah, what is California? They, they kind of they forget. I was actually born in Texas but raised in California. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up on a horse ranch. Uh, my, my grandfather on a horse ranch, and that was that was my life. What was that like every, I mean, come on, dude. Oh, like, like,
1: you gotta understand, I'm in the football world. I've never seen horses before, okay? Like, what the hell was that about? I was
2: coming from a military family. My dad may not have been military, but he was raised in a military family. Yeah. Therefore, I, since I was in a military family, uh, my dad's favorite line was, oh, I used to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning to feed the horses. I was like, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> you woke up at 5 a.m. every morning to wake me up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, to funny. go feed the horses. Bro, when I tell you, I, I used to be afraid to take my shoes off at friends' houses because all my socks were stained. Oh, I, yeah. I had to clean yeah. stalls before I was done. out the stalls. Mine had holes in it. Same thing. Wow. Try to be a cowboy in California. That doesn't work necessarily. So I had like two two personalities. I had my ranch clothes, and then Jankos were cool back then. And I had to convince <laughs> my mom to buy me Jankos. So my dad was like, hey, they're not pull that, where that crap hanging off your butt around here. <laughs> so I, like, Get this I was like, I was like the girls that changed in the bathroom, you know? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so which, which of those person, where'd the mullet come from? Which, which of that way was like bet. the mane no, of the no, horse? No, another or, bet. Another was, bet? Uh,
2: it was, a, I was, uh, the mullet came from, so I was sitting there, I was with my financial guy. He's one of my best friends in the world. Uh, when I was back in Kansas city and we were having, we were at pizza. His family and his wife showed me his old, uh, I or ID card from ASU when he played at ASU. Yeah. And he just had this stringy mullet coming out of his neck. I mean, it looked like Peter Griffin with a mullet, right? I was like, oh, but <laughs> phenomenal. I'm like, Jeff, you need to bring this back. He's like, I'm in the finance world. Like, if I show up, I'm going to look like, I'm like, I'll tell you what. So we made a $5,000 bet for the best mullet by tax day, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, and then, you know, anybody grows their hair out, you need to get in those awkward stages. Yes. So I'll never forget. like I got in that awkward stage and yeah, it was like, I was about, I had like my Britney moment. I was about to shave it all off, I was just <laughs> like, you know? And I was like, all right, I got to go all in. And I cut that, I, I cut it up. All of a sudden it took it. It took a life of its own. Dustin Kolk would got involved and started putting yeah. racing stripes on my head. Next thing you know, it's, I mean, the mullet took off and, uh, the rest is history. But yeah, i all started on a bet because my, my financial guy had a sweet mullet and, uh, yeah, and now. Still got it, (laughs) rocking. Wow. Uh,
1: Okay. Everything seems like a lot of things with you, Jared, starts with a Batman. But thank you for coming by the podcast, man. This was awesome, bro. I love the stories. Love the locker room stories. You still have that great character. You still still crazy as hell, too, man. I (laughs) can tell. You're probably fun to hang out with. But great perspective, guys. And that will do it for this week's NFL Total Access The Locker Room. For more insight with a locker room point of view, check us out. Check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground
2: could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. (laughs) I love that. A redwood forest would be
1: cool. I'm in.
2: Ah, ski slopes. Let's
1: do it. Um, Tanner, girl go shopping?
3: Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.